Welcome to the Study On Podcast, where God's hard truth meets your hard story. I'm Angie Bauman, and this is episode 109, A Glimpse of Our Father, with my guest, author, blogger, and professional counselor, Quinice Petway. When Quinice became a mom, she heard God invite her to shift her perspective of how he loved her. Instead of seeing him as a faraway being desiring to impose rules and punishment on her, she felt him calling her to know that he loved her the way she loved her daughter, and even to a greater, deeper way than she loved her daughter. It began a relationship of deeper intimacy, and one she now encourages others to explore as well. I selected Psalm 103.13 as our verse for this episode, and I'll share it with you first from the NIV. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. We aren't all parents, but as you will hear Quinnie say in the interview, we have all been children, and we can all identify the ways we were loved well and the ways we were not. Through our discussion today, I hope you hear God whisper to you once again that He loves you like a perfect parent. He knows your every need, He responds to your every plea, and He cares about every step you take. Let's listen in. Hello, Steady On community, and welcome into this podcast episode. I'm Angie Bauman, and with me today is Quinice Petway. Quinice, welcome to the Steady On community. Hello, Angie. Thank you for me. I am so delighted to have this conversation with you. I'm excited to learn a little bit about your passion and your ministry and your message. And I have read one of the things that you have written and spoken about is how you feel like Christians need to shift. We need to shift our perspective a bit on who God is. And I wonder if you just kind of unpack that for me a little bit. What, what do you think maybe we're thinking about God that needs a shift in direction? I think that a lot of times people see God as this far off being or spiritual being that is there to punish us, to give us rules of what to do and what not to do. And if we don't keep those rules, then he is going to rain down fire on us. Um, and so more from a punitive perspective, what not to do, what, what you cannot do versus him being an actual relational God him being identified as one of his traits, our father, one of his roles, I should say, as our heavenly father. And so God gave me this mission to help shift our perspective to recognizing him as a relational God, yeah. father who's approachable. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, right away, I'm thinking about the one listening that's like, I don't have a good example of father. Uh, that's not been my experience where that would be a warm, welcoming, loving relationship, just right off the bat. Maybe could you speak to that listener right now? Yes, I totally understand that. Not having a hard time making that connection because they didn't see that with their earthly parent. Um, it comes to studying the word of God and who he is and beginning to identify his true character and his true nature, recognizing that he is a loving father and he loved us enough to send his only son to die for us while we were still sinners. And so beginning to grasp how his love is demonstrated, we might not get it right away. It is very challenging to kind of make that connection with our earthly experiences. And that's the good thing about God. He's, he's God. <laughs> he is holy. 
you know, he doesn't change. He doesn't disappoint us. And so the more we study his word, the more that we see who he says that he is in his word and who he says we are in his word, the more we can begin to embrace that heavenly father role in our lives. I love that explanation. Thank you for that. And I'm going to maybe put you on the spot just a little bit, but I don't think this will, uh, I don't think you'll, I don't think you'll fumble with it at all, but is there, how did that light begin to come on in you? This idea of a loving heavenly father, a relational, uh, offering that he was extending to you. What, what characteristics of God did you learn through his word or anything like that, that you were like, Oh, this is when this began to shift in me. It began to shift in me when I became a parent, believe it or not. I am one who actually grew up in church. I, you know, learned about Jesus, learned about the Holy Spirit, but I can't necessarily remember that time where we studied about the father aspect of the Trinity and what what that really meant. And so when I became a new mother, that aha moment went off and I have to call it the Holy Spirit. I don't take credit for it, but just in my interactions with my daughter, I began to see, oh, wow, this is what it means to be in relationship with the father. Yes, it was from my perspective as a mother, but my heavenly parent, this is what it means um, when when I say no to my child um, and she doesn't like it, but I'm saying no and it's for her benefit. That's the same thing that God is doing for me. He sees the bigger picture. He's been around way longer than I have. And so it was in those interactions that that aha moment really went off of God being that relational father. It is the love that I have for my children. I have two boys. How many children do you have, Quinice? I have two girls. Two girls. I have two boys. Yes. All right. Okay. Yes. And so there is this newness when you have a child in your life, whether it's your natural born child or a child God has placed in your life to mentor, to serve, whatever the case may be. And you realize the depth of your love for that child. And I think it's so beautiful. What you're saying is that God was able to invite you and you were able to sort of take a step back from the way that you felt about your children and get a glimpse of the way that he feels about you, which is very different than what you're saying is kind of maybe your first impression of him or your previous impression of him. And and the one that a lot of us carry. Yes. And, and I, and I wouldn't necessarily say I didn't know him before, or I I was trembling, you know, no, but that aha moment of really father relational. I can come to you with anything. You really love me unconditionally. You are not judging me. You're not waiting for me to mess up. You want my best definitely was revealed. Yeah. Becoming a mother. Yeah. And there's not a point, Lisa, for me, there's not a point that you're going to come to me and I'm going to say, okay, that you've come to me one too many times. Right. Like right. I'm not helping you anymore. I'm you're too much for me. I'm tired of you. Yeah. I mean, yes. it's just not, it's not yes. going to happen. Right. right. Yeah. So right. much more than it's not going to happen between us and our kids. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I yes. love that. So how do you knowing this, what, what's kind of your like method or plan or process? How do you help us do it through your ministry, through your writing, uh, make this shift in perspective? And so what I do is give real life experiences with my daughter. And I keep saying daughter because it started with my oldest daughter who Mm -hmm. is now eight. And she was about three when the book and the revelation kind of began to come about God as father. And so giving those real life practical examples that are sometimes humorous and sometimes like, ouch, ooh, that, ooh, that's me. I I need to get it together. Um, Giving it in that way so that it's relatable and we can see ourselves in that three-year-old 
or that four-year-old and see God through my interactions. And by no means am I the perfect parent. No, but just that model of what it looks like to have that parent-child relationship. And so it's done through the book that I have. We also walk through it in a small group that I lead with additional work that we do together to just see who God is as father and who we are as his children. Hey friend, I'm cutting in right here to ask you a couple of questions. Do you ever have a heart that is heavy? Do you ever connect with words like ashamed, heartbroken, insignificant, afraid, lonely? Of course you do, because we all experience those emotions from time to time. Susie Crosby is my friend, and she is the co-host of the Bible Talk bonus episodes that drop about once a month here on the podcast. And she and I have joined together to produce a podcast miniseries called Covered, Promises of Hope for Your Heavy Heart. Within each episode of this mini-series, we will dive deep into one of those words that I just rattled off, and we'll use personal stories, Bible stories, and God's promises from Scripture to cover you with His merciful hope for whatever situation you are facing. In addition to those five episodes, you'll also find in the mini-series two bonus episodes. Those will be with our ministry friend, Haley Wood, and Haley will share her story of abuse and trauma and loss and wandering and how she learned and is learning to stand firm on the promises of God that help her take steady steps forward. The link to claim this miniseries is in today's show notes. And when you subscribe, all the episodes will appear in the podcast directory of your choice. Thank you for listening. Now, back to our show. So share a story with us, will you? Will you pull one from, from something you've written or shared that would just illustrate how God has been so, I, I would say, kind to you in revealing himself through your interactions with your children? Yes. One of them I want to start with is his unconditional love. We talked about that a little earlier, about him loving us enough to send his son for us and nothing being able to separate us from his love. And so with my child, whether she has had a poop diaper, that is the worst. Whether she is not listening to me, and I have said the same thing about 10 times, right? And I'm getting very frustrated. That doesn't change my love for her. It doesn't change her role as my child. I don't disown her. She doesn't, you know, get tossed out with the bathwater. You know, she is still my child. I still love her. Nothing can separate, you know, my love for my child. Another example I can think of is the concept of patience, right? Um, My child wanted to go to the park and I told her, okay, we're going to have to wait a little bit. It's not time to go yet. Mom, I'm ready to go now. You know, pitching a fit. Why is it taking so long? (sighs) We do the same thing to God. You know, whatever it is, he has promised us. We sometimes get impatient. We think he's taking too long. Did I hear you right, God? Did you say you were going to do that? But We know that eventually he comes through with what he said he was going to do. So those are just a couple examples of how my child shows me how I interact with my heavenly father and how I help others kind of see, yes, we do do that. And God does do that for me. Yeah. I, 
I love that. Thank you. I, I, it makes me think of my, my boys are now 17 and 12, so they're getting a little bit older and a lot more independent, but that just listening to you rolls back the years for me. Cause I can remember there are times when we would have a disagreement or an argument. My younger one, especially was prone to a tantrums and yelling. I, I think I would say tantrums and just kind of when he didn't get his way it was, it could be pretty explosive. And um, sometimes those interactions were really hard for all of us, for the whole family. But it, it, it worried me about me and my son, because I was afraid when we had to like weather that kind of circumstance that something between he and I, he and I would disintegrate or not be able to be repaired, you know, and I needed God's grace around my parenting uh, during that season for sure. And and still do so much, but I, I just remember that. But one of the things I would often say when like sort of when the storm had passed or even when we were kind of when it was beginning to fade you know what I mean as you were kind of coming down from that one of the things I always said was it doesn't change the love and listening to you talk about God's unconditional love reminded me of that and how often saying that out loud would begin to rebuild that bridge whatever had been not destroyed but weakened maybe through whatever encounter we'd had together and I think that's what I hear my father saying to me, also my heavenly father saying to me that no matter what happened, like this, this doesn't, all of this, we may need to work through this. We Mm -hmm. may need to navigate this. We may need to disagree, wrestle through it, whatever the case may be. But the love that I have for you is completely independent and untouchable in, in whatever it is we're dealing with. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So how do people who aren't, we touched on this just briefly, but how do people who aren't parents, how do you help? them see this, if parenting is not their daily experience, or even like for someone like me, whose kids are getting a little bit older and more independent. And so our interaction with our kids is changing so much. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good question. And so really it's more so about the child's lens. We've all been children. Good point. Everybody, everybody has not been a parent, but everybody has been a child. So we've known what it's like to answer to authority. We've known what it's like to hear the word. No, Many of us have known what it's like to be loved, even if it was a tainted, toxic love, because as we talked about earlier, not everybody had that positive interaction with their earthly father, but perhaps you did with your mother, or perhaps you did with an aunt or a a pastor or somebody in your life that was that role model, and you had to be that child. And so looking at it through the lens of we are all God's children. And when we think of what it means to be a child, we can then look at what it means to be under the parenthood of God, the father. I love that. I'm thinking about my own childhood, my own upbringing, some of the things that I needed and didn't receive. I also, as you're talking, I feel this just kind of call to remember that whatever that child in us needed, or maybe still needs to a certain degree, right? Is the thing that he provides are the things that he provides for us. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of those things to you, Quinice, the things that he provides for you, either in your parenting, in your ministry, how does, what are things that you cling to that, you know, are descriptives of him? Mm -hmm. And so the first thing that comes to mind is him being the, I am right. He is everything that I need him to be. He is my friend. He is my confidant. I can go to him with all of my cares. If, if I you know, am struggling and I need direction, I can go to him. I can seek him. If I'm frustrated and I have questions, because sometimes people will say, well, don't question God. That's one of those things going back to how do we shift people's perspective? 
don't question God. No, you can come to God with questions. Just like my child will ask me a million questions unrestrained, not, not scared to come to me with the same, even if it's the same question over and over, they are not afraid to do that. And so just being that, that person I can go to when I feel like I can't talk to anybody else, because sometimes it is just us. We may want other people, but sometimes God puts us in that position where it is him that we do need to. And so he's, he's been all of those things to me that we can often see that we are to our children. I know you do a lot of work in small groups. I'm wondering if there might be some things that happen in small groups that teach you something different or more than in your own experiences when it's just you and the I am. What are some things your small group, how has that grown you in this understanding of God the Father? I think it's more so not taught me something different, but confirmed. Um, we are all of God's children, no matter what our chronological age is no matter what experience, what stage in life we are, no matter how long we've been in church or known God or been outside of church, we are, we're still his children and we need his guidance. We need his direction equally. We might need him in different ways. We may need him to be our counselor. We may need him to be our disciplinarian. We may need him to be just that listening ear or that person to be with us in times of trouble. But we all need him no matter where we are in life. And we're not alone. That's the other thing about in, in the group setting. We get to see, wow, I'm not going through this by myself. There are other people that can feel my pain. They have this struggle, but they also have testimonies that can help me see we can make it to the other side. So in your group discussions, do you feel like the, is the encouragement there more about parenting or is it more about spiritual intimacy with the father, both a little bit of both? Would you just talk about kind of what you're hoping to cultivate in those groups? So in those groups, I hope to cultivate the two things go hand in hand, our identity as God's children and his role as our father. And so, yes, parenting comes up because parenthood is the examples are used, but they're more so used once again to remind us we are his children and he is our father and we can come to him. He's not judging us. He is not. Um, and I won't say judging us, but he is not looking to condemn us. Yes. He wants us to get it right. He wants us to be better. He wants us to glorify him. He wants what's best for us. And so in those groups, that hope is that people see I can come to God. Once again, he's relational. He's approachable. He loves me no matter what. And these are the things he says about me. You know, he says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He says that I'm victorious. All of those things that he says versus what the world says, because oftentimes the world will try to define us. And so it's in these small groups that we get strength and encouragement in who we are and whose we are. Yeah. How, how are you, as you raise your own children, how do you incorporate those kind of things that I know you want your daughters to know they're feel fearfully and wonderfully made and victorious. And how are you practicing that in your parenting and also encouraging other people to practice that either, either with their children, or like I said, other, other people that they're mentoring or even just their own self-talk. I don't know about you, but I have a pretty critical self-dialogue mm -hmm. when I'm not uh, when I'm not conscious of, I can slip into that very easily is what I'm trying to say. And yes. it's been, it's, it's practice that, that reminds me 
that is not the voice of a loving father, right? Mm -hmm. That is the voice of an enemy, an adversary. Mm -hmm. That's the voice of someone who seeks to condemn, right? And Mm -hmm. seeks to keep you small. And so how do you, how does Quinice do that? And how do you encourage maybe your, uh, your daughters and are, you know, the people that you serve in ministry to do that? The biggest thing is for us to think about what we're thinking about. (laughs) Consider Mm. our thoughts. Are our thoughts lining up with what God says? I can give an example uh, with my daughter. One thing that she struggles with sometimes is watching movies. And uh, after she's watched a movie that may have had a scary part that we might not have seen as scary, but she saw it as scary. I have to remind her when she's having trouble going to sleep. Well, what is it that you keep thinking about? What are you meditating on? I don't say, what are you meditating on? But, you know, in our terms, you know, what are you meditating on? Well, let's kind of shift that to what's true, what's right, what's real, you know, those things. And so that we're not meditating on the things that are keeping us up at night or keeping us worried or keeping us scared. And so things like that or other examples are if she didn't get as good of a grade on a test. Well, did you try your best? Well, if you did your best, that's enough, right? And so just that encouragement of, I am not going to beat up on you for not getting an A++ and you got an A. That's okay. You, you did your, even if you got a B, if you did your best, that's enough. Your, my love for you is not based on your performance. And so those are just some examples of showing my love and, and kind of bringing them up in, God and his word and his love for them. I love that. My love for you is not based on your performance. Those are really powerful words. And if I I know you believe that about your children, I believe that about my children. And yet it is so hard for us to believe that about our God. I think Mm -hmm. our creator, um, the one who does love us and call us and claims us and all of the things that you're talking about, but it is so hard. What would you say in your, in your own life, and maybe some of the women that you work with, what, what's one of the things that does prevent us from believing that maybe does keep us up at night, if you will, what are we, what are we worried about? Maybe not a specific thing, but like inside us, you know what I'm asking? Like what, what's kind of, what do you think bothers us and keeps us from embracing the idea that God loves us unconditionally? People, Mm. humans, humans being conditional lovers and not unconditional lovers. Um, Back to what you said earlier, the question of what if somebody didn't have that loving parent, um, that can be the case. And even society in general, often we're rewarded for performance. I mean, that's, that's natural. Starting in school, we get grades for our work. We get praised for it. And if you compared to others, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so in the world, That is how society operates. But in the kingdom, that is not how God operates. And so that's why his word reminds us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, renewing it in his word and his ways, not the ways of the world. And so that's how we can get caught up in that. But his word confirms that we're saved by grace. It's not by works. There's nothing we can do, you know, to earn his his love and his grace. And we just have to remind ourselves of that because the other thing you said a moment ago is the enemy is always there trying to tell us in our ears um, that we're not enough, that we should be worried about this, that God is going to condemn us. But that is far from the truth. 
Yeah. I appreciate that so much. And I, you know, for me, I don't know about you, Quinice, but for me, it has been a slow shift of thinking. And I do have to remind myself, I heard you say that just a few minutes ago, I have to remind myself to shift my thinking. I have to recognize whatever the keep me up at night. It's like the anxiety that rises. However, that presents itself in our lives. I think it's so important to notice that and be able to say a pause. I have to pause and say, what am I meditating on to use your word again, but what am I meditating on? What am I rolling around in my head? What am I believing right now about myself and my God, this will make me emotional just saying it because it's so powerful when you feel that rising, if you can stop it, you can stop it, right? Like if you can say, if you can stop it and say what what's happening inside me right now is a lie and I need to cover it with the word of God, cover it with the truth, um, kind of in that direction while we've been talking, you have been quoting scripture. You have not been quoting scripture the way like, and this says this, and this is it, but I've heard the scripture all through what you're saying. And so I know you're a woman who very much values and looks for and studies and meditates on the promises of God. And I'm wondering, is there one or two that are sort of your go-tos? Like for me, one of the, I go all the time to Joshua one, five, I will neither, neither leave you nor forsake you. Right. Like, cause, cause when I feel the enemies uh, most consistent lie to me because of my background is remember, you'll never belong anywhere. And so I can like, it's just, it, he sings that same song in a different key, a different verse, mm-hmm, you know, whatever mm-hmm. over and over again. And because I've learned that it took me a long time to understand it, but because I've learned that one of the things I know is how to speak to that and, you know, and remind myself, actually, you're never alone. Like that's so important. You always belong somewhere, but what about for you? Uh, what's one of the ones maybe that you just cling to as truth for your life? Uh, probably Romans eight twenty eight, And we know all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord to them who are called according to his purpose. The fact that God is always at work. He is always working things together. And it doesn't say that he works just good things. He says all things. So that means the bad, the uncomfortable, the ugly. He is always working it for my good. Yeah. Yeah. That's one that we can really, really cling to. Um, Before I let you go, I love, this has been so encouraging. It's been just really, really encouraging. I'm wondering if you would share with us anything else that's going on with you. Uh, What are you like maybe reading, studying, listening to what's happening in your small group, anything at all like that, that's just bringing you peace and keeping you reminded that God is an unconditionally loving father towards you. And so I'll talk first about what I'm reading or listening to. I am doing the YouVersion good old Bible plan, specifically the Bible as it happened in order, the New Living Translation. And so I say the New Living Translation because I live in King James from start to finish, and it actually goes through the Bible in chronological order. And so now I'm listening in the New Living Version so that I can hear it a little differently because King James can be a little challenging at times, but just to really absorb the word, because going back to what are we thinking about? What are we meditating on? We get more of the word by hearing it. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that is really what I have been listening to daily. The Bible called as happened on the U version. And it's in order of chronological order of how things happened in the Bible. How things happened is what it's called. You cut out. It's called. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. It's called as it, as it happened. Okay. Thank Mm -hmm. you. I just want to get it right. Yes. 
That sounds wonderful. And so when you say chronological, do you actually, so you mean like it unfolds in order instead of yes. like by book, right? Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So that's your main thing right now that you're doing. That's yeah. my main yeah. thing. I have Good. a few other devotional yeah. plans that I listen to and read mm-hmm. within the app, but that's the main thing because yeah. the Bible is a lot. It is a and lot. just trying to digest that. But the more I want to share with others about the word, I really want to be rightly dividing the word of truth and yeah. about who the father is. And yeah. so that yeah. has been my main focus. And there is such a, there's such a benefit to repetition. You know, I, I'm, I'm a slow student. I think both have really good. I never want to discourage someone from like trying to read the Bible in a year or trying to do a Bible plan like that. It's a lot. It, it is a lot. There's value in it when you kind of get the whole picture, like kind of mm-hmm. quickly, I'm going to say, because I think even a year is really fast to go through the Bible. Uh, but then there's also such value in pulling out sections and camping on it and studying the historical context and studying the original words and all those things. So I think both are so important as we continue to learn more about his character and who he is. So, yeah. So I just want, can I ask one more question? Where are you right now? And you're listening, what's going on in the Bible right now, where you are right now, I am in Deuteronomy. Okay. (laughs) And what are you finding in there? (laughs) Moses and the people being hard-headed and complaining and also Moses not being able to inherit the promised land because he didn't do what God said. So the importance of obedience. Um, Yeah. Yes. All of that. Yeah. Deuteronomy, I think is one, thanks for just sharing that Deuteronomy is one Mm -hmm. that can, it can seem like there's nothing in there for us today, but if you're willing to look at it through a lens of like, like life app. Uh, if you're willing to look for the life application, I'll say it that mm-hmm. way. Right. If you're willing to look for that, there's so many themes in there that are really so relevant in how we worship and where our heart is, you know, God, one of my favorite verses in Hosea six, six, it's that then the Lord is like, I don't want your sacrifices. I mean, the sacrifices are not bad, but it's your heart that I'm after, right. Mm-hmm. It's your heart that I'm after. So. Yes. And Thank- one quick one. Yes. In no. is yes, yes. Just remembering where God has brought you from. So that's another thing about your thoughts. It, it yeah. talked about remembering that because when you remember mm-hmm. that, you know, I can do it again. Right. And so just remembering the father's goodness when you're well, discouraged, when it looks dark, I've done it before, so I can do it again. And that goes so beautifully with your Romans eight twenty eight that you like, mm-hmm. that you spoke of just a moment ago about how I work things together for, mm-hmm. for your good and my glory. Yeah. And, yes. uh, and will we be patient with him? long enough to watch him do that because he is unfolding uh, a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Quinice, all the best to you. This has been so fantastic. I'm just going to let my, the listeners know Quinice can be found at a glimpse of our father.com. And that will be in today's show notes so that you can find and follow and stay in touch with Quinice. And also her book is called a glimpse of our father lessons parenthood reveals for all god's children and i will put that information again today in the show notes and again quinice thank you so much for being with us thank you angie it's been a pleasure and thank you for listening friend until next time peace an important reminder for me in today's talk with quinice is when she talked about god's love for us not being dependent on our performance As much as I know that and believe it is true, I definitely need to keep hearing it in order to not fall into the temptation to live as if his love for me depends on me. Psalm 103, 13 again, this time from The Voice. An earthly father expresses love for his children, 
It is no different with our Heavenly Father. The Eternal shows His love for those who revere Him. Next week, you are in for a treat, my friend. I will be joined by Nate and Kate Thompson, a delightful couple who have written a book called Between Sundays. In it, they talk about the spiritual habits that Nate's parents intentionally practice during the week, the impact that has made on Nate's relationship with Jesus, and how now they're carrying on those traditions with their family. I absolutely loved talking to them, and I know you will love them too. Are you looking for a new Bible study? You might like the one I wrote called Strong Hearts. It is a six-week study focused on the lines in the Lord's Prayer, and in each line I ask a trust question. And the first lesson that camps out on Our Father Who Art in Heaven asks the question that fits where our conversation took us today, and that is, is God a good father? There's a link to my Bible studies in today's show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved cherished child of God. Peace.